Amen. Well, um, I don't know if you watched uh, the service last week, but Mike was speaking about vision, and uh, I was very impressed. I thought he did a great job. Um, a compliment. <laughs> Stan, are you feeling all right? Yeah, no, I'm not feeling great, but um, no, it was actually fantastic. And I, I don't know about you, but I've had lots of feedback from different people in the church just saying how, how exciting it is for us to be looking to the future. And it's a strange one. And, and as Mike said, it's um, in the midst of all the challenges we're going through right now, and it does feel like for lots of us, I know this is true for me, this is the hardest of all of the lockdowns. And it's... it's um, the, the pressure is to just look at just trying to get to the end of the day, let alone the end of the week and, and dealing with all the struggles that we're, we're having to fight on a daily basis. And we're all, many of us at least, quite weary from the last 10 months. So it can seem strange to be talking about life after COVID and it can seem odd, perhaps out of place to be talking about vision. But, but actually, I think this is what we need to be focusing on right now as a church family. And uh, I don't want to repeat um, what Mike said, but I, I do, I suppose, want to underline a few of the things that he was talking about last week, because I think for us more than ever, and um, we know that there's lots joining us from outside of Soul Survivor Watford, and we love that you're here, particularly again this week. I just want to talk to primarily to those who are part of Soul Survivor Watford Church. Um, now more than ever, I think it's time for us to come back to the heart of who God has called us to be and uh, listen afresh to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And it seems, uh, as Mike was saying, that one of the things the Spirit is saying is that we are to um, increasingly intentionally um, look to plant churches and look to support people as, as they go and plant churches. And so we're trying to wrestle through right now um, what that will look like uh, eventually and trying to work through some of the practicalities of that. But in, in light of that and in view of that, one of the things that um, I think is important for us to do is to come back again with um, clarity and conviction and confidence to who are we? Who are we? Because that dictates where we go, as Mike was saying. I don't know if you've ever, well, we all have probably been to visit some relatives, distant relatives, like maybe not even that distant, uncles, aunties, cousins. But whenever you go from your particular family unit and way of doing things to going to a different family unit, what we find is that different families, even though they can be related, have different ways of doing things. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. That's in many ways a really good thing. But what can happen if we go and visit an, another family is uh, if we were arrogant, we would say that our way of doing things is the only right and proper way. If we were insecure, we might say, oh my word, they do it that way and we're not doing that. We need to start doing all of those things. Um, but probably a healthy response would be to say, isn't it wonderful that they do it that way? Let's learn from them and let's see what, you know, what we can pick up. But let's also be confident that this is who we are and this is how we do things. The same can be true of churches. And bizarrely now, none of us can actually go to a church or most of us are not going to church, but we can, we can watch and we have access suddenly to all these other churches online, whether it's a church that's just down the road or it's a church on the other side of the Atlantic. We get this little window because of online church into how lots of different churches are doing things. And for us as Soul Survivor Watford, it would be arrogant for us to say, everybody has to do it our way. We don't think that for a second. Um, but also, we don't want to become insecure and say we've got to do it like that because that's what they're doing. Instead, we want to have clarity and confidence around who are we. 
And uh, if, if we look back to our childhood, many of us might say, I think most of us would say, oh, in my family, we always used to. In my family, we always used to get fish and chips on a Friday night, or we always used to watch the football together, or we always used to do this at Christmas. We always used to. Um, what would we say if in 20 years' time we'd, we left Soul Survivor and we were looking back, what would we say about, oh, we always used to do that at my church family in Watford? I want to look at three of our distinctives. The first is intimacy and worship. The second is following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And the third is being a family. Now, lots of other places do these things as well. For us, these things are right at the heart of who we are. In my family at Soul Survivor Watford, we always do prioritise intimacy and worship. Now, I joined this church uh, long after it had started. And what I found was this kind of weird mix when I arrived of being drawn to it, you know, just feeling like I've come home, and yet also being confused by some of the things that were happening because I, I'd not been in an environment um, where this was happening. And one of those things was intimacy and worship and, and the time that we give over, the space that we deliberately make to worship God um, and to sort of, I suppose, express our love for him. And worship is obviously a, is a lifestyle and it's making decisions that reflect God and worship is a life lived out in obedience to him, 100%. I was, I was, I think, clear about that when I arrived at this church, but what I was less clear about was that worship in scripture is also a particular act of devotion. It's also time set aside to praise, to give thanks to, and to seek and adore God. And that's what I wasn't that clear on. And because by nature, I am an activist, and um, a pragmatist, and I like to get things done, and I feel like if I can tick things off, then that's a good day. Um, one of my questions when I arrived is, why are we spending quite so much time worshiping in this way? Couldn't we use this time for something a bit more, I don't know, uh, useful, effective? Uh, couldn't we be reading our Bibles? Couldn't we be planning how to reach Watford? Couldn't we be strategizing? Why are we spending all this time doing that? It just seems like a bit of a waste. And one of the people that has really helped me understand it better is, in, um, is found in John chapter 12. And it's the story of Mary and her jar of perfume. You may well have come across it. I'm not going to read it because we haven't got time. But um, Mary comes in, Mary of Bethany comes into a room where Jesus is reclining with his disciples and his friends. And she brings into the room um, a jar of perfume that is the biggest bottle of Chanel you've ever seen. This jar of perfume, we're told, was worth a year's wages. So let's call it 25,000 pounds, which is about what it would have been, worth of perfume. And um, staggeringly, she breaks the jar, she pours the whole lot, thousands of pounds of perfume, all over Jesus' feet. And then she kneels down and starts to wipe his feet with her hair. Can you imagine being in a room where that happened? I don't know how you would have reacted, but there's all these reactions that instantly sort of kick off the moment that she does that. Judas is there, Judas Iscariot, who betrays Jesus, and he's, he's sort of saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And we're told that quietly he's thinking that because he could have, he wanted to steal some of that money if it was put into the, the common purse that he was in charge of. But even the disciples, the ones that weren't going to betray Jesus, the ones that loved Jesus and wanted to follow him, even they thought she was making a big mistake. And we're told in the scripture that they, they said to each other, why this waste? Couldn't this have been sold and the money given to the poor? 
It seems like everyone in the room thought Mary had just made a colossal mistake, a waste of 25,000 pounds, apart from two people. The first was Mary, and the second was Jesus himself. And he affirms her for what she's doing. The word waste, when we use it, it kind of, um, it's, it's a word that we would use when we would say, oh, you've, you've given too much for something. If I spend £100 on something I could buy for £10, that's considered a waste. So Mary's given too much for something too little. And what we miss when we have this approach to what she does in this moment, but also what we do in our own way, when we pour not perfume perhaps, but songs of praise, or we pour our hearts out before him, even in stillness and silence, it's not about the songs. What we miss when we consider that to be a waste is the fact that the heart of the gospel is an invitation to intimacy with him. This isn't a functional relationship that we, we've said yes to when we said yes to following him. It, it, it's a relationship that is to be characterized in the same way that Jesus' own relationship with his father was characterized by love. The father, when he speaks of Jesus, speaks of his beloved son and we're adopted to have that sort of relationship, a relationship of love. And so the kids that have just been born, the three um, beautiful photos that we've just seen of those babies. You know, the parents did not sit down, I expect, and think to themselves, do you know what? We've got to get some jobs done. Someone's got to mow the lawn and someone's got to do the dishes. So let's have a kid. And then they could do that sort of stuff for us. If they did think that, good luck to them. But I expect it was, you know what? We want to expand our family. And so let's have a child. And the purpose was what? Relationship. The goal was what? Intimacy. And in the same way, God created us for intimacy. There's a reason the first commandment is not obey the Lord your God. It's love the Lord your God. And when we love him, we will obey him. But note the fact that it's the word love. The way it's been put, someone once said, the greater uh, Westminster Catechism said, the chief end of man is to worship God to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so for us as a family, we have this as a priority because it's a biblical priority. And as far as I can tell from reading the scripture, God is the first to say that worship to him is more than simply um, moments of devotion. It's how we treat the poor. It's how we care for our neighbor. It's, it's how we serve others. But he's also the first to say we're called first to him. And the divine priority is worship first as devotion and service second. For us, this is our priority. And we give ourselves to him because we know this is what he desires. Second, if we were looking back years from now, I hope we would say, when I was part of Soul Survival Watford, when I was part of that church family, one of the things we always used to do is follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And obviously we get it wrong and uh, we'll make mistakes regularly, but that's what we aspire to do now, to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that always staggers me when I read the scripture is the difference between the disciples in the gospels, <coughs> where it seems like they don't understand 
a lot of what Jesus says. They're, they they run away and they betray Jesus and they, they make all sorts of big mistakes. And then you read about the disciples in the book of Acts and it's like, what on earth? They Suddenly they're filled with boldness. Suddenly they're proclaiming the gospel. Effectively, they're explaining God's truth to people and seeing thousands of people get saved. Miracles are happening left, right and centre and the church expands and it grows and... <coughs> We see all of that. One of the questions I have is, how did that bunch of Muppets end up with these kind of results? It would be like seeing Scunthorpe United beat Barcelona 10-0. We would look at that team, Scunthorpe United, and we think, how on earth has that team got that result? That does not make sense. Something does not add up here. The reason um, those disciples ended up seeing what they saw has a name. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, just before he ascends, um, just before he, he goes to the cross in the kind of the final meal he's having with his disciples, he's comforting them. And one of the things that he says to them in John chapter 16, verse seven is this. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's a good thing that I, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, am leaving. How can that be a good thing? It can only be a good thing when we understand the weight and the power um, and the profoundness of what he says next when he says, because when I go, I will send the advocate and he will be with you. And he speaks of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can think in our heads, maybe not all of us think this, but I, perhaps we do, of the Spirit as, as like an add-on. He's an add-on to the Trinity. You've got the Father and the Son, and then, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit. And it's, that's such a mistake. The Spirit is fully God. He is God Almighty, and He is God with us. And when He fills the church, which is, which is the people of God, when He fills the church, what we see in the book of Acts is suddenly all bets are off. Suddenly what would be possible on a human level is expanded to what's possible on God's level. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church like that. I have no interest, to be honest, in being a part of a church that is basically the sum total of human gifting and human ideas and human strategy human marketing techniques. I've got no interest in that. I want to be a part of a church where people come to it. They look at us. They see that we are basically a bunch of Muppets, that we can't even light Advent candles. They look at how unimpressive we are, and then they see what God is doing. And they think, this doesn't make sense. How can you <laughs> achieve that? And of course, the answer is, well, because of who we're with. And so as a consequence of that being our priority, what we will always try and do, whether we gather together or as we encourage each other in our, in our nine to fives, whatever we're doing, we want to seek to follow his lead. And so as Mike said last week, we, we'll plan and we'll strategize and we'll try and do things well after he speaks. We'll, we'll do what he commands us, even if it doesn't seem particularly strategic. And we'll understand that the goal is not that we have more of the Spirit, but that we surrender more of who we are to Him. It's not that the Holy Spirit, um, the church has the Holy Spirit, it's that the Holy Spirit has the church. So that's the second of our distinctives. Here's the third one. I hope 
if we ever look back at our time when we're part of this community, we would say, oh, when I was part of Soul Survivor Watford, we always tried to be family. We always sought to be family. The reason that is, again, a priority for us is because it's there in the scripture. The primary metaphor that the Bible uses, the New Testament uses to speak about church, it's not the only metaphor, but it's the main one by a long way, is the metaphor of family, the picture of family, that we belong to him, but we also belong to one another because we are brothers and sisters, children of the same heavenly father. We're in a family now and we want to live that out really, really well. And the way that we do that uh, is there's all sorts of things. There's 59 one another's in the Bible. Forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another. There's loads of things. But what it essentially boils down to is one word, love. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, there is a passage that challenges me and that haunts me. And it's what Paul says uh, about love. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. He goes on to talk about love. But shouldn't that cause us to stop in our tracks? If we do everything well, we're prophesying left, right and centre, we're, we're, we're serving, we've got all these programmes. that, If we do all of that, but we miss that it's about love, then we miss it spectacularly. And what we'll find as we give ourselves to love one another, as he has loved us, what we'll find is that we get blessed. We do, because Jesus tells us the way to find your life is to give it away. It's to lose it for his sake and for the gospel. I've experienced this, experienced this in my own way um, since I've been part of this church. You know, those who've been around will know I've had my own journey with various things. And one of the things that happened to me when I was 29 is I had a bit of a breakdown and uh, I started to experience anxiety and all sorts. I had to have counselling, have time off work. And one of the things that emerged from that is that I really um, laboured under this thing that if I'm not successful, people won't love me. And, and so I put an awful lot of pressure on myself. Well, a, a couple of years later, um, after I'd recovered and I was doing a bit better, my son, um, Caleb, we, we were told when he was in the womb that he was, he was going to have to have major heart operations throughout his life and all sorts of health challenges. And um, I thought I probably should just go and see a counsellor just to check in that I'm doing okay, a bit like an MOT. So I went to visit this um, psychologist and they are well expensive. <laughs> and so when he said to me, why are you here? I thought I'm just gonna get it all out there as quickly as I can and save myself some money. So I just told him all my issues and I said, one of them, I was just firing them off. One of them is, I believe if I'm not successful, people won't love me. Bang, 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 chucked it all at him. And then there was this pause, which I think cost me about 10 quid, while he just looked at me. And then he said, it's funny, you don't strike me as someone who believes if I'm not successful, people won't love me. And I remember when he said it, I just thought, gosh, I think he's right. It's not that I don't visit that place 
from time to time, but I don't live there in the way that I did for so many years. I think behind my back, somehow, I've encountered healing. And I found that healing in this family. And the reason I found it is because I became part of a family where I wasn't successful at loads of stuff and I was still loved. And it's hard to be around that and not get changed. That's who we're called to be, a people who love each other. Now I finish with this. I imagine if we said that to somebody um, 20 years from now, this is, who, this is what we always tried to do. We worshiped God with our whole heart. We gave ourselves to him. Uh, we sought his face in intimacy. We sought to follow the lead of the spirit. We tried to be a family. We committed ourselves to doing that, to being there for each other and loving one another in the way that he's loved us. If we said that, they might well say, really, what about mission? What about that? We're, aren't we called to get out there and to share the gospel? And this is where I think it's so important for us to be, to be so clear on this, which is that if we do this, the mission takes care of itself in so many ways. If we, this, is, this is part of the key to growing the kingdom of God. And it is for just some very clear, very simple reasons. Number one, if we give ourselves to him, to loving him, to abiding in him, to make our home in him. Jesus says this, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. The best evangelists are the ones that, that just can't help themselves because they're in love. Have you ever heard somebody talk about their new girlfriend or their new boyfriend or the new car that they've just got? Whatever it is, that they just, it spontaneously pours out of them. When we love him, we share him just because we can't help ourselves. Worship leads to witness. Se secondly with it, the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's the spirit that leads people to Jesus. It's the spirit that convicts people of their sin. We've got no hope of showing anyone Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. And if we follow him, the spirit comes to the church en route to the world. We're not going anywhere other than to bring his justice and to bring the good news with our lives and with our words. And here's the final thing, we're a family. And Jesus says this, this is how people will know that you're my disciples, if you love each other. It's in the way that we love that we witness to him. And what that means is this, we are, we are affirming and supporting each other in our mission. Whatever that looks like individually, we're part of a mission, uh, we're part of a team. And so we can encourage and pray for each other. Um, for all the challenges we'll face when we're in the office or where, wherever that happens to be. But also what it means is we get to say to people, not just come and hear the gospel, not just come and hear the, the points and the message of the gospel, but come and be a part of a community where we hope and we pray they will see the gospel lived out because they'll see the love of Jesus in practice in the way that we care for each other. This isn't instead of mission. It is the key to mission. It's the heartbeat of mission. It's the lifeblood of our mission. This is who we are.